Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS on air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much and welcome to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernio on special assignment today. So Joy McQueen is pinch hitting. She's with the Caregiver SOS program, one of our counselors. And you find her at the Caregiver SOS Center in the... Northern Hills. Northern Hills. You keep moving around. I know. They keep moving me around. Well, that's okay. You that still is. do the same thing. Absolutely. You provide help for folks who are caregivers and for their families uh, trying to deal with the issues and struggles that are involved in caregiving. Absolutely. It's a, da- it's a daily struggle, so it's, um, it's a great program uh, for, for anybody who is, is, is dealing with, with the caregiving journey. And free. And free. Underwritten by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Correct. That's a cool thing. It is. Free's good. Free is good. Mm-hmm. Well, with Carol Zernial out on special assignment today, uh, we're going to welcome our guest a little early. N- normally, Carol and I will chit-chat for a little while and then bring our guest in, but Elaine Ayala is sitting right next to me, someone I have known on and off for the last 400 years. She is a <laughs> reporter, editor on, with the God. San Antonio <laughs> Express News. <laughs> Been in the news thing. business for 33 years. You don't look mm-hmm. that old. I don't. 16 years at the Express News. Yes. It's good uh, to see you. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much. And I found out today you worked for a little while at uh, my hometown newspaper, the Cleveland Plain here. That's right. I lived in Cleveland Heights, and you know, it's where rock and roll started. It's where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. Absolutely. And I loved my time there. It was short, but sweet. I grew up with the birth of rock and roll, listening to WHK Radio in Cleveland back in the 1950s. It was a great time. Yeah, it's a a great time. Uh, It's a great town, and I was there after um, the river caught on fire, you know, so I don't have those memories, but I remember everybody would tell me, oh, that's where the river just spontaneously got on fire. That would be the Cuyahoga River. Yeah. Before they discovered anti-pollution programs. (laughs) And they cleaned it up, and it's Mm -hmm. lovely now. Yes. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to fish uh, down at uh, uh, Lake Erie at the shoreline, and the water was so bad, the fish would literally grab your line and beg to be pulled out. They'd wrap their little that gills around, true, their little mouths moving. That's yeah. very funny. The water was terrible. Yeah. But it's clean now. Now huh? it's lovely. Yeah. And it, uh, other than the winters. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember there was, it was so cold one day. How cold was it? That my <laughs> eyes teared and cried on their own. There was no emotion attached to it. <laughs> it was, my eyes said, it's too cold in Cleveland. Yes. Can we move back to Texas, which is what I did. And you did. Mm-hmm. That's a big... Now, you went to a great newspaper, and I'm sure that was part of the attraction. Yes. And, it, and it's Pulitzer Prize winning paper. It's the biggest paper in the state. When And I was on the editorial board back there. I was an associate editor. And uh, when you wrote something, everybody read it. Right. So, um, And I got to meet John Glenn there. Oh, that's cool. It was cool. a wonderful um, treat. Um, he was still in Congress at the time representing Ohio, and he came in on his, um, I, can, I guess twice a year he'd come in and visit with the editorial well, that's board. Cool. So that was neat. And, uh, I mean, an amazing guy. And when you take a look at that little capsule 
he flew around the Earth in. If you go to the Smithsonian it's almost as, and Space as, Museum. It's almost the same size as this studio. Yeah, tiny. <laughs> a tiny. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, we're, we're sitting real close to one another. You're talking about real brave folks who... Mm-hmm. With the uh, the astronauts then and now, absolutely dangerous profession. Yes. I want to talk a bit about what brings you in because caregiving is something that uh, not a lot of people grow up to say. Oh man, I I really hope I get to be a caregiver. <laughs> yes, it's a tough it's a tough position to be in, and in my case, it was my mother Blanca, who left us in January of this year, and um, I wasn't. A caregiver during the whole time that either I lived with her or she lived with me. But it was 17 years altogether. Um, I came back to San Antonio when my brother Albert was very ill and subsequently died in oh, 1999. Sorry. And I, um, I, I always think it's the, it was the hardest loss in my life. And then I realized what it was to my mom. Uh, and it must have been her her greatest loss. And she, um, even then in 1999, she was now looking back, exhibiting signs of Alzheimer's, the forgetfulness, um, the time she got in her car and got lost to a very familiar place. Um, She continued to drive for years after that, but now looking back, I see that there were signs early on before her diagnosis 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because uh, Joe McQueen, part of what you do often is uh, meet with folks who express concern about a loved one who, who are worried that perhaps uh, they're showing signs of dementia. Absolutely, and that and that's actually one of the things that we're really trying to focus on and and get more attention uh, out there regarding, and that is because we almost always hear exactly what you just expressed. Once a diagnosis is made, uh, it's generally said that that the person has had the disease for at least five years. And so uh, it's the idea of if if there is an earlier diagnosis, could, you know, could that some of the medications that are out there be started sooner? Mm-hmm. Uh, can the family start making plans earlier? And so um, I appreciate you sharing that, that, uh, that that's what happened with your family as well. And I think that um, decisions and discussions could happen a lot earlier. Now, in my case, my mom was as stubborn as they come. And um, um, there was one thing she was really good at denial so um so i'm sure that we would have had would have tried to have some of these discussions and it would been would have been very difficult for her to accept that perhaps we should think about the time when you can no longer care for yourself because she was very stubborn about her independence now she liked me to live with her almost as a roommate but I was not in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, she was really <laughs> in charge. It was her house. Yes. Even, right. well, it was my house, but right. she was still mm-hmm. in still charge. In <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that in every cr- case it would work, but having some of those discussions would help. And in my mother's case, she was very practical. So she had her, all of her, excuse my that's right, you got allergies. I've got a little bit of problem today, so well, Take a sip me. of water. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. Brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with... 
Joy McQueen, who is pinch hitting today for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment. And Elaine Ayala is with us, a wonderful writer, writes a column on Latino issues for the Express News, writes in faith, uh, was kind enough uh, several months ago to invite my wife to write an op-ed piece on her journey and converting to Judaism. And, that was lovely. Uh, it turned out to be a really nice piece, and I thank you for asking her to do that. Yes, of course. I was saying that um, in the early stages, it's good to have these conversations, and we never mentioned the word Alzheimer's to my mom. We didn't even mention the word dementia. <laughs> we just talked about getting things in order. Sure. And she mm-hmm. was very practical about that. Mm-hmm. She was a very practical woman who said, yes, um, I'm doing my will, and here's my, you know, other things I need to sign, and you need to be on my bank account, and blah, blah, blah. So all of those things, thankfully, were in order. Now, that's not to say that we took care of everything. Mm-hmm. There's always more, and there's some things that she couldn't face to do, like um, at the, in the end, we we decided that the house that she was living in would go to m- her caregiver, my my cousin, who, a lovely woman who um, agreed to care for her in exchange for just taking over the house. She was already in it as a renter. And we made a deal with her because I could no longer care for her in her last year and a half of life. I couldn't get to work on time anymore. Mm. Yes. <laughs> because of all the needs. Right. and. Um, and you know, my mom was a lot better with other people that cared sure. for her than with me. Yes, <laughs> because yes. with me, she could um, get away with mm-hmm. more, and I would say, "No, mom, you've got to do this." And and so, um, my lovely um, uh, cousin Catherine Martinez uh, dis- decided she'd take this on and cared for her in such a lovely way. Met all her needs. Um, couldn't be there every single minute of every single day, and um, and that's why she fell and and broke her hip, and um, and that's in in the end what t- what took her. But um, we didn't get some of that uh, work done about her house, but we're taking care of it now um, after she's gone. But I, but I can tell um, everyone out there that um, while it's not easy it's actually very challenging and um we decided to handle it as a family and we had lots of people around who could help us out with this chore or that chore or you handle this while i handle that so many people are alone and need your help and i know that's why well med is around and why well med provides for these services. I was going to say, uh, uh, Joy, and you can uh, please jump in on mm-hmm. this. Uh, her description of how the family got together yes. and shared chores is unusual. It is. It's and, usually and, a war. Right. And that's and when you were talking about that, I was thinking how very fortunate you oh, were. Oh, I was. Uh, because it, it, it almost always seems it doesn't matter if there are two siblings or ten. There's always one that is going to be the primary caregiver. And, and that was mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was mm-hmm. me. But my sister who lived in Harlingen came into town at various times when we were stuck. Mm-hmm. And she would say, okay, I'm coming. And yes. luckily she was retired and still could get in her car and come. And, and then then I felt so wonderful because she was in the house too. Sure. It was so great. Right. And then um, Catherine also, Kathy, um, uh, also just met 
so many of her needs and cooked her for her exactly. I did not cook for her exactly mm. like she wanted to. Of course to. not. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy mm-hmm. knew better and made That's all funny. those things that she wanted, even mm-hmm. though she wasn't supposed to have them. But hell, she made it to 86. Exactly. So she could have what she wanted. That's right. Yeah, my Absolutely. mother had uh, high cholesterol toward mm-hmm. the end of her life, and her doctor said, Evelyn, don't worry about it. Eat whatever you want. Absolutely. It, it's not you know, going to matter. Right. Right, and so no, that that that's a wonderful thing, and and uh, that's that's one of the re- that's one of the things that that the caregiver uh, SOS program is able to help with are some of those families where they don't have as many siblings to help, and we are able to come in and help with resources uh, for those families. Just a minute, we're going to come right back to you, I'm Ron Aaron, along with Elaine Ayala, who is telling her story, who was a caregiver for her mom who passed away. Not too many months ago, Elaine writes for the San Antonio Express News, has been uh, editing uh, the new Faith insert, which uh, runs every Sunday, and writes for it as well. Joy McQueen pinch hitting for Carol Zerniel today on Caregiver SOS on air on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Those of us who are eligible for Medicare know all too well it's difficult and confusing to navigate the maze of rules and regulations, but now there's good news. The Medicare Information Centers brought to you by WellMed provide all the information Medicare-eligible people may need on Medicare and Medicare Advantage health plan options, preventive health care, health topics, government-sponsored Medicare savings programs, and a whole lot more, and there's no cost for the service. The Medicare Information Centers by WellMed are your one-stop, go-to resource for everything you need to know about Medicare and various other resources. Remember, open enrollment begins October 15th and continues through December 7th. Hey, don't do it alone. If you don't understand something, ask for help. It's available at no cost. Call 877-813-3134 for more information about open enrollment and for your appointment at one of seven Medicare Information Centers in San Antonio, 877-813-3134. And remember, open enrollment ends December 7th, so you want to jump on this right now. And the good news is, even though this is a Sunday afternoon, folks are standing by at the WellMed Medicare Information Center They'll take your call, direct you where you need to be, and get the information to help you decide what you're going to do during open enrollment. Call 877-813-3134, 877-813-3134. The call is free, and guess what? The service is free. I'm Ron Aaron, happy to have you with us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Our very special guest, Elaine Ayala, is here talking about her experience as a caregiver for her mother who struggled with Alzheimer's and eventually uh, fell, broke a hip, passed away not long afterwards. Sitting in for Carol Zernio today, Joy McQueen. She's with the Caregiver SOS program at WellMed. You want to know more about it, just go to caregiversos.org. So Elaine Ayala. There you are. Here I am. Big time newspaper reporter, editor, traveled the country, worked at a lot of newspapers. You're in San Antonio. uh, And on the other side, you're also being a caregiver. What did you learn about yourself? Oh, that's a good question. That um, I learned that I could muster up a lot more patience than I thought I could when I went into it. Um, I don't think people who work with me would call me a particularly patient person. Well, at least 10 years ago, they wouldn't call me that. They might call me more patient now. 
And I learned that one of the things that is essential when you're a caregiver is to be patient and to mix that patience with your love for your loved one and to understand that um, she um, or he is confused a lot of the time. And imagine being confused. It's a frustrating place to be for you. And they're confused 24-7. And um, and things are that were once familiar are totally unfamiliar to them. So you begin to learn more. You begin to read more about Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, her doctor began to call it dementia and didn't call it Alzheimer's because my mother never forgot um, people, although I will tell you that, you know, she could have a little fun with this. And she did forget a couple of people, but I noticed there were people that she didn't really like that much. <laughs> so I think she <laughs> forgot about them purposefully. The rest of us, she she remembered all of us, remembered all our names, knew something of us. Um, when she had a little bit of an episode of feeling a little um, not quite there out of sorts out of sorts and that's a good way to put it um we would question her and she would say yes that's that's so and so and that's so and so and she would she would begin to understand and and so you learn to be more patient because you think oh she's having such a hard time right She's this person that was so strong that ran a family like a CEO that could cook five things at once on the burner while rolling out tortillas and <laughs> and answering the phone and handling. I mean, this is a woman who did a lot of things at once and did them beautifully and embroidered and crocheted and drove a car and taught me how and was a much better driver Till the end, she was a much better driver than I was. Could pa- I learned how to parallel park perfectly because of her. I'm a champion parallel parker. <laughs> well, the days and, I could use you. Right. Yeah. And, and so um, sh- this is a person who was very much in control mm-hmm. and all of a sudden wasn't in control. And, um, and this is a person who was very dignified and regal. Her appearance, she was a beautiful, beautiful woman and cared very much about her appearance and, you know, worked at Joskies at one time mm-hmm. and looked mm-hmm. the part yes. back when Joskies was really mm-hmm. Joskies. For those who don't know, it was a major wonderful department oh, store in downtown it was mm-hmm. just San Antonio where River Center Mall is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, there was one on the west side too back in the day and she worked at that one mm-hmm. at Las Palmas. And so this is a very beautiful, dignified women, woman who is losing all of that. And she knew she was losing. And there was a sense that mm-hmm. she was losing right. this. There was right. a sense. Um, uh, but still um, a very, very um, strong, strong-headed woman and never forgot who we were, mm-hmm. um, but exhibited other. That's why I think that another per- that you learned through this whole journey is that it's different for everybody. It is. It, it is absolutely It's not different. the same yes. thing. It's not the same as you see on television right, right. in roles. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's so different for everybody because, mm-hmm. you know, through the, through the years you have mm-hmm. friends who are sure. going through the same mm-hmm. thing. They ask you for advice. You ask them for advice. Mm-hmm. And it's different for everyone. My mother never forgot us mm-hmm. uh, up until the very last day when we were at the hospital because she had broken her hip. Um, but uh, there are things that start going away. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's where we needed help, and we reached out to various members of the family. What kind well, of things did you need help with? Um, sometimes, because of my job, I couldn't take her to every single appointment. Mm-hmm. So I had a niece um, uh, who, um, actually the mother of her main care- caregiver mm-hmm. at the end, the, the daughter of her main care- caregiver at the end, who was a student mm-hmm. and was working part-time, mm-hmm. and I could pay her something to drive her mm. to the doctor's office she learned all i went with her the first time first couple of times and i could lean on her mm-hmm. for those for those appointments mm-hmm. when i right. couldn't go mm-hmm. you know you take them one week before to get their labs and then you take them back the next right. week mm-hmm. and so my mother so loved and adored elenita who's now going to have a baby in next <laughs> next next month and oh we're so excited so elenita mm-hmm. was um, another angel in our path mm-hmm. who sh- my mother loved and trusted she liked how she drove a car and that's another important thing mm-hmm. and um, and took her to those appointments um, understood what the doctor was saying took notes came back if i had a question i would call the doctor back so when when I couldn't get away because I was on deadline on a story mm-hmm. and I knew that was going to be a very busy day, I could set this up ahead of time and she could help. At times, my sister would drive in from Harlingen when we knew, oh, not only does she have to go to the doctor, but then she's got to go to the hospital for a test. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be, I'm going to have to take away too much time from work. Mm-hmm. So she would come in for this. So I had nephews who did all sorts of things like, you know, handle those other lovely things we want. Hard work. Yes, just like regular (laughs) things, like because I Mm -hmm. can't do them or they couldn't Mm -hmm. do them, then they would help out. Mm -hmm. And um, we were so lucky, so blessed that this little community of people helped out as much as they could. And my mother felt, I think, what was the most important thing to her is just to feel comfortable with the people Mm -hmm. around her. Mm-hmm. You, know, you hit on something that a whole lot of mm-hmm. caregivers never quite hit on, and, and Joy, I know, works with caregivers that way in the Caregiver SOS program, uh, and that is people will say, how can I help? Uh, but most caregivers don't say, good, you can take mom to the doctor tomorrow, or you mm-hmm. can do right. grocery, right, Joy? Right. Well, they're, they're, afraid, they're afraid that people are just being nice, and what we try to let them know is that actually most people will not ask you if there's something they can do to help, because they might be afraid that you say yes. So, <laughs> so, so if they are saying, "What can I do to help?" They really, truly. I just thought mean of it. another thing that mm-hmm. um, my sister did for me. You know, caregivers need to take care of themselves because Absolutely. if they don't, then they can't care for that other person. Yes. So, um, I needed a vacation and I needed to be gone for a week. I was getting on an airplane and having some fun, and my sister and her husband. I think he was by this time retired from the federal government. They came into town from Harlingen and stayed the entire week in the house, in my house right. where my mom was used right. to things yes. and was comfortable. Now, my mom didn't like the fact that I was leaving. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of caregiving. Mm-hmm. She likes people around her that she's comfortable mm-hmm. with the whole yeah. time. But what what we did what the best thing we could do was keep her where she was and bring someone else in to care for her so they stayed the whole week and then um they 
took me to the airport, picked me up afterwards, and, mm-hmm. you know, all was. Right. That's cool. But you hit on that because yes. many caregivers will predecease the care recipient because they have so burned themselves out. Joy, how do you get folks to right. do that? Who, who will say, well, you know, this can't work without me. I got to be here. I can't let go of this. Right. Well, a, a lot of times it, it is it is just that, talking about uh, what, what you mentioned, and that is the fact that if you don't take care of yourself and something happens to you, the reality is what happens to your loved one. And a lot of times that's what it takes is for them to, to, to start thinking about, well, I didn't think about it like that. So we start small is uh, just like with starting like with the stress busting uh, class since that class meets uh, once a week for an hour and a half and if they're able to get away we tell them that after the class is over after the nine weeks you've already set aside that hour and a half every week keep that time for yourself don't tell anybody that the class is over <laughs> and 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 continue to and doing something for yourself during that time and do people follow through on that? We actually have a lot of them that do. A lot of them will go and meet for lunch, um, just just go for a go for a walk, go shopping, um, just just get out of the house. Sometimes uh, is is all it takes, and just and and uh, um, you know maybe listen listen to their relaxation um, DVD or, or CD that they get. We just tell them they they shouldn't they shouldn't drive. They can go to a park and and plug it in. Um, but just just making that time for themselves. Is, is the most important thing. And Elaine, there's something else that uh, I just find wonderful. We, we've interviewed other people who have altered their lives to be a caregiver. And I remember recently talking to someone who was so angry at her mm. mother, at the system, oh. at, at the world around her. And we'll talk to you about that in just a oh, moment. That's too bad. And, and see how you uh, have kept not only your perspective but your wonderful sense of humor as well. Mm-hmm. Stick with us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Elaine Ayala and Joy McQueen, who is pinch hitting for, Joy, for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment today. Well, thank you so much for riding along with us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with... Joy McQueen, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel, who was on special assignment. You hear us Sunday afternoons at 6 in the afternoon on 930 AM, The Answer. And podcasts of all of our shows are available as well. And now, Caregiver SOS on Air is available on iTunes. So if you want to access any of our shows, be a subscriber to iTunes. You'll find Caregiver SOS on Air. Makes it so much easier to download these podcasts, share them with friends and neighbors, and hear them again. We're talking with Elaine Ayala, who writes for the San Antonio Express News, has been an editor there, writes columns, and is a blogger, and writes uh, for the religious insert called Faith, which is a uh, neat little insert. I, I, I read uh, Taste First. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I read Faith. Well, so, that's wonderful. You've got great taste. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> So, Elaine, we were talking about your situation. You uh, become a caregiver for your mom. Your mom has dementia. Uh, and, and we know that things do spiral downhill. Some folks in your shoes get very angry. Very, it's very. It's so easy to do because you feel like it's us against them. Um, you have trouble. Um, luckily, um, she had a great coverage. Um, 
uh, Medicare was great, and she had a supplemental that was great. Um, and uh, I can only tell you my experience. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I come from uh, a long line of people who always see the glass half full. Um, it's a wonderful way to sort of be hooked up uh, already. Um, um, not that you don't need a little help now and, it, and again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I can tell you that my mother, um, my mother um, suffered from some form of either anxiety or depression. She was never quite um, diagnosed, although she was on um, Lexapro as a medication to help her um, deal with that. Um, you know, the, the biggest um, source of her depression, of course, was losing her son in 1999, and that, that was, was brother my mm-hmm. brother who died mm-hmm. um, in 1999. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, she certainly had her share of struggle. Um, but um, while she did deal with depression or what I think was more like anxiety about mm-hmm. life, an unsure, feeling unsure and um, restless, um, there were moments of great joy. And I'm remembering um, one because one of her great granddaughters, who is now turning one, um, she got to meet uh, right at the beginning. And there's a picture. I wasn't there to see it. <laughs> there's a picture of her holding the baby. And she's holding the baby. This is a woman who was 85 at this point. And she's holding a baby like a young mother. Like with She knew how to hold that baby. Mm-hmm. She had no problem. <laughs> like She knew exactly where they're supposed to be and how to hold them. And she looks even strong in her um, in her feebleness, though. Um, and so, and there she was sitting next to her, um, the baby's father, her grandson, Rick. And there was such joy on her face. There was almost like her face was so beautiful because she, oh, it makes me cry. Mm-hmm. She was so beautiful because she was so happy to meet this little baby. And, um, and so I know that there were moments of great joy and that we have to hold on to them. So so we tried to give her, you know, the things that made her joyful. Um, her caregiver made beautiful Mexican meals that she loved and that she talked about. And then she would ask, how did you prepare this? And um, um, she loved ice cream. And even though um, she didn't like ice cream a lot in her life until the end of her life, so we gave her ice cream. Um, she wasn't supposed to have a lot of sweets because she was diabetic. I mean, she had everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she had everything. Was she I mean, insulin dependent mm-hmm. on diabetes? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But she liked pan dulce, so heck, <laughs> we gave it to her. That's right. Because life is way too short, Absolutely. Folks. And um, at 86, at, when she died at 86, um, I just, you know, we just sort of felt like, hey, let her have the tortilla. Let her have. I mean, we didn't do it to excess, but um, life was way short for her at that point. So we made her as happy as possible. Um, There were other things that we couldn't give her. Um, She couldn't have her way on certain things because we couldn't even understand what it was that she wanted. But there were a few things. And when you grab hold of those... It's a lot easier to face the bigger issues, the, the monumental issues like 
getting all the medications she needs, getting her to the right doctor, getting her to the right specialist. I know it's very, it's exhausting. It is. And you know, Elaine, um, actually Ron, Ron mentioned something. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering if you can, if you can help by, by sharing, uh, you've shared your story, but perhaps even a little bit more in depth that might help a caregiver out there. And that is there sometimes we do see a lot of caregivers that are very angry. Okay. And, that, and, yeah. You and, asked about right, that. And so, and what, uh-huh. what, what do you suggest? Oh, I, I got angry too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I got mm-hmm. angry. Uh, I felt put upon. It was mm-hmm. too much. I'd rather not deal with this. Um, um, you know, um, try to see the long view try to see what it's doing to her um a a good dose of empathy goes a long way um ask for help ask for help (laughs) ask for help yes because no one is just going to impose and walk in and say i'm going to wash your dishes and clean your toilets today Because you can't get to them. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to, it's a way of humbling oneself Mm -hmm. and saying this task is too big. Right. And I think that it felt good when somebody would say, (laughs) I have a wonderful friend who's, um, we've been friends since we were 13, and she would show up and just take over the kitchen. She would just show up. And before I knew it, she was washing. That's pretty cool. I mean, she's wonderful, my friend Mm -hmm. Linda. Mm-hmm. And so everybody needs a Linda. Oh yeah, my God, absolutely. she is Linda. She uh-huh. is. Um, <laughs> and she would just take over, and she, before I knew it, she was taking out the garbage. She was sweeping up, and it, it happens. Um, I was just lucky that way. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have someone like Linda, right, to just show up, and she's brought your mother bandulce because she knows she wants it. <laughs> um, uh, that it's okay to ask. That s- sometimes when someone just says I'm going to come mow your lawn so you don't have to worry that task is off your to-do list and I have a couple of nephews like that that's great and when I ask them they do it Mm -hmm. or when I ask them you know I I I do need uh, Elenita and I'm mentioning Elenita again because she's an angel and so um I I can't I couldn't deal I wanted my house to be um, I wanted my house to be decorated for Christmas, but I just, you know, with my busy job and all of the other things I do, and she would help do it. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lovely home and can celebrate. So ask, ask, ask. There are more angels in your path, in your mm-hmm. path than you think mm-hmm. you right. are out there. But right. that you reach that point, mm-hmm. and Joy McQueen can explain mm-hmm. this to you if you don't already know. Mm-hmm. Most caregivers never ask. They, they are... Yes. They're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they feel guilty. They don't ask. Right. And then that leads to your anger. So it's a catch-22. So you get yourself out of that catch-22. First of all, you don't need to do the lawn. (laughs) That's one thing. It looks nice, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. And and, and you can figure out what's the most important thing. And if the most important thing is getting out to go see a movie – and then ask somebody to stay with your mom or your dad for those two to three hours. Or if your most important thing is to go to Mass on Sunday, then do that. If your most important thing is to just some have someone do, you know, 
the sweeping and the mopping for one week, then ask for that. I think you hit the, the one of the nails on the head when you when you mentioned uh, talking about the grass. Uh, you know, perhaps the grass doesn't get cut no. this oh, week. it's not that it's, important. It's, let it's, your neighbors ex- uh, look you sideways. Ex- let right. them. As, let them. Exactly. It's it's prioritizing right. what's important. Yeah. And it sounds like what what I'm hearing you say was the, one of the most important things <clears throat> was that. That you all came together as a as a family, and it was about your mom and 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 what her needs were, and you all meeting those needs. Okay, here's and, another need mm-hmm, that I, mm-hmm. my mother just adored one of her nephews, Richard, adored him. She was like boys a whole lot better than girls. <laughs> Even though I told my sister, "Who's in it for the long run here?" You right. know, me and her. Right. But uh, so June could bring her. Like one time I asked him to bring her a Whataburger because I was, you know, running around and trying to get things done. I said, just bring her a Whataburger at lunchtime. And he did. And then she talked about him for like, I don't know how long. Yeah, redid her will. (laughs) Oh, uh, oh, well, Junge brought me a Whataburger. Don't worry because Junge will bring me. uh, We call him Junge. So so those little things that make her feel special. Absolutely. And that, you know. Uh, she adored him Mm -hmm. and and so he could do no wrong so what can you what can how can you put a cherry on top of that he brings you a water burger (laughs) and for you Mm -hmm. as you look back now on a lot of years of uh, caregiving in and out you really didn't have to do this you you could have delegated it you didn't have to be hands-on with your mother what made you decide to do that well okay um I'm Catholic, which is very similar to being Jewish, so there's the guilt. (laughs) I cannot deal with that. For sure. You know that. Absolutely. So um, there was that. I didn't want to deal with that. And um, and I love my mother. I think about all the things my mother did for me, which she didn't have to. And I owed her much more. And she knew what you were doing. And... um, I don't care if she knew or not. I no, just did, did it, it because um, right. because it was important for me. Uh, you know, in Spanish we say to complete, but I complete to uh, finish to complete. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. And um, and all of us uh, had the guilt. <laughs> we faced the guilt. We're Mexican, you know. We're Catholic. <laughs> we were just born this way, <laughs> and so there's that. That's the biggest influence. But also. Um, I just think um, she was a very lucky woman, first of all. She was a very lucky woman because uh, lots of people helped take care of her. And and we're glad that we were there for her because, in other ways, she was there for us. Absolutely. She loved you. Yes. Absolutely. And you loved her back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she knew that. Well, Elena Ayala, you are the poster child for caregiving. <laughs> I'm and telling I guarantee you. Oh, you yes. Joy McQueen and the others are going to be on the phone to get you to speak. Oh, well, and I'd love to. I'd love to because your uh, message of ask for help is so powerful. Mm, It is the biggest message of today. Got to stop you right there. Flat out of time. Help. You also have a wonderful voice. Oh, yes. Have you done much radio? Um, I'd like to. um, um, Roland, plug her in. She's got a great (laughs) voice. I'd like a show all my own. There you go. Well, we'll see if we can make that happen. (laughs) There you go. Elaine Ayala, thank you. Telling her story about her mom. Look for her byline in the San Antonio Express oh. News. And Joy McQueen pinch hitting for Carol Zerniel. Up next, are you ready for this? Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman on Caregiver SOS On Air 
On 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Those of us who are eligible for Medicare know all too well it's difficult and confusing to navigate the maze of rules and regulations. But now there's good news. The Medicare Information Centers brought to you by WellMed provide all the information Medicare-eligible people may need on Medicare and Medicare Advantage health plan options, preventive health care, health topics, government-sponsored Medicare savings programs, and a whole lot more. And there's no cost for the service. The Medicare Information Centers by WellMed are your one-stop, go-to resource for everything you need to know about Medicare and various other resources. Remember, open enrollment begins October 15th and continues through December 7th. Hey, don't do it alone. If you don't understand something, ask for help. It's available at no cost. Call 877-813-3134 for more information about open enrollment and for your appointment at one of seven Medicare Information Centers in San Antonio, 877-813-3134. And the good news is, while open enrollment ends December 7th, there's a tremendous amount of help available for you right now. Call 877-813-3134. Folks are standing by. I know it's a Sunday afternoon. You're saying to yourself, oh, nobody's there they're there right now. Give them a call. <laughs> Make sure they're up. 877-813-3134 for all the help you need on open enrollment for your Medicare health care plan. The call is free and the service is free. Well, thank you for sticking with us on Caregiver SOS On Air. At the end of every one of our programs, we bring you Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, our expert in caregiving and addictions, a psychotherapist, and also pinch hitting for Carol Zerniel. Our co-host is Joy McQueen, who works with the Caregiver SOS program, providing help and counseling and support for caregivers. And one of the issues, uh, Dr. Jamie, and you can kick it off today, uh, is the, uh, the fact that uh, all of us know intellectually that aging in place makes sense, but sometimes that's easier said than done. How do we make that happen for people? Well, it is a lot of planning that needs to go into that, uh, but just to frame it up for you and the listeners, um, I've seen figures from the AARP and other senior organizations that have said that 70% of seniors literally spend the rest of their lives in the place where they celebrated their 65th birthday. Um, and that 90% or greater, I mean, this number is bizarre, um, only wants to age in place and stay there until they pass. So the mindset of our country is pretty clear, and the actual sort of evidence base is pretty clear that we're aging in place, but it really does require a lot of planning. It's interesting. A uh, uh, statistic that goes right hand in hand with that are, are the numbers of doctors uh, who prefer if they're going to die, and we're all going to die, they want to die at home, not in a hospital, not in a uh, setting other than their home. And that makes all the sense in the world, I gather. I mean, I'm a former hospital administrator, um, but the old saying that hospitals are no place to be sick at uh, really goes to the heart of it. My mom, God rest her soul, went in with a, a, you know, a lot of challenging, complicated issues, but while she was there, she contracted uh, MRSA as well. And um, today's healthcare situation is that really the alternatives to not aging in place all look pretty bleak uh, as, as we look at it. Well, Joy, what do people tell you? 
actually, uh, uh, this is actually a topic that we have been discussing much more as of as of late, and we're actually doing presentations and um, and classes on what do what do what do I what do you need to do in order to age in place. Uh, you know, whether it be, okay, it's time to uh, to get a new bathtub, all right? Well, do I get a new bathtub or do I go ahead and change that out and go ahead and put a walk-in shower in instead now or uh, a walk-in bathtub or go ahead and put those grab bars in now when I may not need them um, so that, that I have those, <clears throat> excuse me, when when I really do need those. Uh, so that's all. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, Joy, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, son, you're right on target. You, you know, interesting enough, though, also what I found out for uh, people who do want age in place, that simple changes that can make a huge difference. I, I mean, I've seen people just replace doorknobs and install ramps and, right. and have better lighting and just remove their throw rugs and things like that, things that are actually tangible. But to your point, um, I do believe it's an excellent conversation to have with all caregivers and that... There may be a lot more architecturally and, and planning-wise that needs to go into it, but there's not a whole lot of things that, that, that we can't do as caregivers that would actually make a loved one feel safer. So changing doorknobs, going from the round knob to a lever? Yes, uh, precisely. And, Much uh, easier other to modifications. Open. In fact, I think that the lighting, if you really look at lighting, and obviously our propensity to fall, and it goes along with how many particular medications and if our physicians are taking a look at how the contraindications are, um, these are all going to increase the risk factor. Uh, throw rugs, um, you know, door jams. Um, I don't know. We should anticipate that our loved one may be using a walker or a wheelchair right. as well. Mm-hmm. And the older homes that some people live in, they live in the home they grew up in, don't have doorways wide enough to accommodate wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, interesting enough, Ron, uh, that's homes, and obviously I don't think it's... Um, any laws that affect that. But what I'm watching a whole lot is a lot more ADA complaints in commercial settings that are also old and, and were gentrified and people forgot about the American Disability Act. But even if it's not a commercial place, we should really be looking at, at this like it was a commercial place. Absolutely. You know, we actually even have a... Um we have a, a husband and wife team here in, in uh, San Antonio that work together, and they have a company where uh, they go in and do an assessment when someone is ready to look at doing some modifications, and she is an occupational therapist, so she does she, she walks through the house and, and does the surveying, and her husband happens to be at, in carpentry, so they are working together as a team. That's quite and a team. It, 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 it is. It's, 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 a, it's wonderful. Well, some of the modifications, you mentioned bathrooms, mm-hmm. uh, Joy and, mm-hmm. and Dr. Jamie. Uh, kitchens also mm-hmm. uh, would need to be modified so that folks uh, either don't set themselves on fire and burn the house down. Right. No, and I think, Joy, what you point out, as a couple, I kind of envision in my mind um, them coming in and being very, very uh, capable and competent and that somebody would listen to them simply because they are a, a couple. And uh, uh, hopefully, as I always say, when that they've done all the planning that they've needed to do for themselves. So when they come into somebody's home, people can see that they're walking the walk. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that I've been hearing a lot more about lately is some of the newer homes that they're building 
they're actually building them so that they can be modified at some point in time uh, uh, more easily than the older homes, you know, that, that were, you know, maybe my mom and dad lived for, you know, 50 years. So hearing here, he, most mm-hmm. of the housing that's going up that's senior now housing has those capabilities. And, and well, they should, I mean, as, you know, in in this world of, of growing older, there's the factors are a reduced vision. We have a decreased muscle strength, uh, a lot of more risk for hearing issues that we're not going to hear something, and mobility. All these things we need to factor in. I think this is one of the reasons why it's so critical for the family to come together, the immediate family and the long distance caregivers to really honor a loved one's request about aging in place and and pool their resources and expertise. Well, the other issue that comes up, of course, is uh, the affordability and availability of home health care because uh, not a lot of us are capable of providing some of the, especially toward end-of-life, care that an individual may need to stay at home. You're so right. In fact, home health is the, the new buzzword here when it comes to aging in place. And, and I, obviously there's a lot of factors that go into home health. So you need to get, you know, uh, the, the proper physician orders for it. Uh, you need to talk. I would go to the area agency on aging because they seemingly have a tremendous wealth of resources of good home health companies. And you have to see if they're Medicare approved or non-Medicare approved. But to your point, Ron, aging in place goes hand in hand with home health and and that's uh, that would be my first thing i'd look at is it a family decision uh, ideally where you set out and decide these things uh before you get to a point where it's really desperate uh and, and that's uh, my mother for example and my dad when he uh, uh developed dementia which of course spirals downhill uh, she de- was determined to keep him at home no matter what uh and she did it with out a tremendous amount of help, it would have been a lot easier for her with help. But but they decided that together before he was at a point where he couldn't decide anything. Well, I think Ron, I, Joy, look at him straight in the eyes. I think he answered his own question there. <laughs> I can flat out tell you that yes. this is a, a multi-level decision-making piece, and I would always keep the loved one who wants to age in place in mind and in the conversation as long as they can cognitively handle it. However, to your point, Ron, I think it needs strong planning. I think it needs the whole family coming around so they feel the support, not just the primary caregiver, but the loved one. And, and I think this conversation needs to happen sooner than later, like Joy was saying at Caregiver SOF. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Joy. I was going to say that's exactly what was going to be my point, and that is is talking about it now. Uh, before it is actually needed and and coming up with a plan and and having and having that survey maybe you have that survey done now you know versus waiting until like we're talking about when when it's a crisis and so what can I afford now what can we afford next year to get your home ready to get your home ready exactly and we do talk to the caregivers about that and uh and somebody once told mm-hmm. me that aging in place plan is not just for old people absolutely <laughs> I mean, how many people like mm-hmm. that statistic says it's living in a house uh you know or think about moving or thinking about staying these are the things that happen long before we grow older these are thoughts we should have and and conversations around the dinner table Dr. Jamie, got to stop you right there. Thank you very much. Take 10. 
comes at the end of every one of our Caregiver SOS programs. And let me remind you, all of these programs are now available through iTunes. And you can go to iTunes to figure all that out. On 9.30 a.m. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron for Dr. Jamie Heisman and Joy McQueen filling in for Carol Zernio. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer.